Hello, welcome to the Odds Profit Podcast, the show that features more tips than a snooker queue repair shop, more tips than a waiter with eight arms, more tips, Andy, than a monster hurling final. Which one of those is your favorite? The waiter with eight arms, Simon. The waiter oh, with nice eight one. arms. Did you know, Andy, that the, the word you were saying tips? All right, okay, yeah. <laughs> it could have been misconstrued, all right. Did you know that the word tip was first recorded between 1300 and 1350? Comes from the Middle English word typen, which means to upset or overturn. Now that I've enlightened you, Andy, let me remind everyone else that this podcast is about betting and gambling, so you must be age 18 or over to listen in. And if you do follow our tips this weekend, then please gamble responsibly. Format change, Klaxon. We're going back to uh, three parts this week, featuring the safe, bigger and biggest Premier League picks and tips this week. So let's go. We're into section one, where I'm at St. Mary's Stadium on the south coast for Southampton versus Manchester City. Now, I think after City's victory over Chelsea last week, we can say with a certain degree of confidence that the title race is done. What do you think? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, Liverpool would have to be nearly perfect to mount any kind of challenge never mind win it but you know I suppose you can never say it's completely but like it's such a monumental task for someone to for Man City to not win it at this stage yeah I think so I think so they're 11 points clear of Liverpool at present they've played a they're game more. Clear with a game in yeah. hand, with Liverpool with a game in hand but you know so even worst case scenario is 8 points ahead with 16 games to play so I can't really see them losing 3 times and Liverpool winning every single fixture from here on in it's just yeah, not going to yeah. happen now City don't exactly set pulses racing they just don't Maybe they're so good that they seem kind of boring. Maybe it's that lack of jeopardy in most of their games that kind of keeps you on an even keel. I think Ed Ken Early of the Irish Times wrote a great piece during the week that said pretty similar things, that they don't evoke much emotion when you watch them. I know from my point of view, anyway, it's, it's all a bit mechanical. Every time I watch them, it feels like I've kind of seen the same game a hundred times. Um, they've been averaging two goals per away game this season, which is good if a little bit modest. I think they exert such control over the opposition that they don't really need to chase a ton of goals, do they? They've won their last 12 league games, 14 out of 15 all told, and they've beaten Southampton in nine of the club's last 11 meetings. So I'll cut straight to the chase. City are going to win this one here, barring something completely remarkable. But three of their last four meetings with Southampton featured one or fewer goals, and the teams drew nil-nil at the Etihad in September. So with the aforementioned lack of pizzazz in City's performance as a factor, I like the look of this combination, Andy. Wait for it. This is the safe section, <laughs> remember. But a Manchester City win and under five goals to be scored is seven to ten or one point seven using Bet 365's Bet Builder. Doesn't that seem really big? That seems that does seem big for under five goals. Under five goals. So even yeah. if City absolutely destroy them, I mean this. This should. I mean, how many? I mean, if you went down through City's results this season, there's, I can think of the game against Leicester and the game against Leeds that were over five goals, but it's not for, we, we talked about this before. It's, they're, they're not the kind of team that's regularly trounces teams five or six nil. It's they kind of almost strangle games, score a nice goal early on and then sort of just pass the life out of the game. And, you know, they often do rack up a two or three nil, but under five, it's good. That's a good price. Yeah. That's a nice meaty one to get us going in the safe section. That's a safe the- meaty one. Right. Where are you first up this week, Andy? I am looking at a Manchester United versus West Ham game in what could be a crunch top four battle match. Man United climbed from seventh to seventh thanks to their midweek win over Brentford. <laughs> An impressive, impressive, are we allowed to say impressive? 
yeah, come on, with the crap that Man United have been serving up over the last little while, by comparison, that can be called an impressive 3-1 win. Can we say impressive-ish? Yeah, certainly an impressive second half, Sean. Let's put it that way. Uh, as impressive in the first half as they were in the poor, in the first, maybe? Uh, that's that's um, yeah. The proverbial game of two halves, Simon, maybe? Is, that's, that's maybe the way we'll, we'll slice that one up. I think a bit much is being made of David De Gea's heroics last night. Um, like, listen, like, the the the, the um, listeners can't see me doing little air quotes when I say heroics, but he did make a string of saves, but genuinely none of the saves were ones that I wouldn't expect him or any Premier League keeper to be saving, to be honest. There were you. bad finishes, but more than good saves, I think. Yeah, I don't think any of those saves last night are going to be appearing on a David De Gea highlight reel. I put it that way. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there were, you know, there was a lot being made about De Gea saving them in the first half, but I don't think anything was a particularly special save. Um, second half was much improved with McTominay starting to, to boss and control the midfield and Bruno Fernandes starting to find his passing range again. Bruno's been a bit of an odd one. He's a slightly mysterious player in a lot of ways. He has sort of spells where he looks like anything he tries will come off and then he goes through spells where he looks like he can't complete the most basic of passing, you know. But uh, two goals last weekend away to Villa and two assists last night against Brentford and he'll have Man United fans hoping that he can return to the kind of form that used to see him sort of affecting every single game. You know, he used to always, every single game of passing, he either got a goal or an assist and United fans are going to be desperate for him to get back to that. West Ham, on the other hand, are going to be looking to bounce back from their somewhat surprise defeat to Leeds last weekend. The race for top four is heating up and you could even maybe not rule Chelsea out of getting dragged into it with the way their form is going over the last couple of weeks. Indeed, you would have thought that three of the top four slots were probably sewn up and like in all likelihood, they probably are. But the trailing pack all have games in Chelsea and Chelsea have been dropping points that they're going out of style. But two points separate fourth from seventh. So this is going to be a bit of a crunch fixture. Jared Bowen continued his recent hot streak with a goal in last weekend's defeat, meaning he now has four goals in his last three outings. Both teams to score would have been a winner in four of West Ham's last five matches and both teams to score being a staple bet of Man United's season. The safe bet here, in my opinion, is both teams to score, which comes in at... 8-13. to 8-13. Yeah, thanks for bailing me out there, Simon. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, Andy loses yeah, points this week there. for lack of preparation. What does Roy Keane Sorry. say? Fail to prepare, prepare to fail. That's you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, was a, it was a technical glitch, a gremlin in the system, a metaphor perhaps for... Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, though. It's a good, solid, safe bet to uh, pad out this section for sure. Um, we've got one more game in this section, actually, and it's Sunday's game between Chelsea and Tottenham at Stamford Bridge. So it's a London derby and a return for Antonio Conte to his old stomping ground and a potentially crucial battle in the race to secure top four qualification. So Chelsea versus Spurs, it's layered thick with plot lines and subplots, Andy. Now we've Indeed. got a ton. We've got a ton of recent evidence to help us out in this one, in the form of those two Carabao Cup semi-finals. So Chelsea beat Spurs to nil in each leg. It was two 0 at the Bridge and one nil in North London. But their performances were more dominant than the modest final scorelines would probably suggest. While Thomas Tuchel, he's kind of been complaining this week of tiredness in the Blues ranks following um, a really tough kind of action-packed run of games and his complaints probably hold weight I mean they've dropped points in seven of their last nine games in the league but they still look several levels above Tottenham in the cup Spurs are still kind of feeling their way into life under Antonio Conte and though they've yet to lose in the league under the Italian they've been more of a moments team than a kind of a consistent unit they did the the same kind of thing again in midweek with their win over Leicester with two goals deep into injury time 
So the green shoots, they're kind of becoming more prominent there, but we can't really ignore those fresh defeats to Chelsea either. So I reckon it will be three crap results in three against the Blues for Spurs this week. Chelsea have scored one or fewer goals in four of their last seven games, though. Their problems in attack have been pretty well documented. And two of their three goals in the cup against Spurs came from a defender and an own goal. So to me, it makes sense to back Chelsea double chance and under four goals at a super safe looking, ready, 8 to 13 or 1.62. Now, if you want to go a little bit up on that, but still relatively safe, you can get Chelsea to win and under four goals again, and that's five to four or 2.25. So you've got two pretty safe looking options there at okay prices. Yeah, I like I like both of those. Uh, that is, um, they're good bets. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. You are on the ball this evening. Okay, so my first kind of middling bet this week is from Leicester versus Brighton at the King Power Stadium, which is, of course, the Foxes versus the Eagles and possibly David Attenborough's favourite game of the weekend. What do you reckon, Andy? We have to give him a mention every week now. It's a David Attenborough derby. (laughs) So Leicester came within minutes of beating Tottenham in midweek. They were ahead in injury time and somehow ended up losing the game completely. They've actually dropped points in seven out of 10 Premier League games overall. And boy, oh boy, do they have a personnel crisis. So they've got no Timothy Canstagna, no Fafana, no Pereira, no Bertrand, no Vardy, no Evans. They're all injured, Andy. They're all injured listeners. And Amarty and Didi Ayanacho and Mendy are all away on AFCON duty. So they are super depleted and super vulnerable, in my opinion. Brighton, meanwhile, have lost just once in nine. And though there are too many draws in there, as always, six during that run, in fact, they are still very, very good. They looked apart against Chelsea on Tuesday in a one-all draw at Stamford Bridge, and they beat Leicester 2-1 in the reverse fixture, fixture between the clubs back in September. The Foxes got their own back, of course, in the Cowboy Cup a, a month later, though that game did finish 2-2, and they did need penalties to beat Brighton on that occasion. So with Leicester's le- lengthy list of absentees considered, I quite like Brighton double chance on Sunday, though I recommend combining that with not one, but two other things. So the first one is both teams to score. Um, which has landed in 100% of the team's last three meetings. So Leicester have failed to score this once in their last nine league matches, despite all those terrible results. And both teams to score also landed in six of Brighton's last eight Premier League games. So on top of those, which is so far Brighton double chance of both teams to score, I think including Leicester to get under three cards could be a go or two. So no club has collected fewer cards than Leicester this season. They've actually picked up just 27 all season long, which is the joint lowest alongside West Ham. So if you combine Brighton double chance, chuck in both teams to score and add a dollop of under three Leicester cards on top, it comes in at 11 to five or 3.2. What do you think, buddy? Uh, That looks pretty sweet, Simon. Sweet. Sweet indeed, Andy. Sweet as a nut. That's actually the end of, well, not the end of, the halfway point in the show. But before we sign off um, and prepare for part two, we've got a quiz. A lovely, lovely quiz. And it's Andy's turn to be on the receiving end. Are you ready to receive? (laughs) I am ready to receive whatever you're going to give me. Um, So this is um, just a standard kind of goal scorers quiz. So I'm going to give you two options and you have to tell me which player scored more goals for Manchester United. Does that make sense? Yep. 10 questions, 20 players, 10 different options. Quick fire. You should get this, I think, pretty handily. What was last week's score? Seven? Seven out of 10. Oosh. So that's the target. 
<laughs> okay, here we go. So who scored more goals from Manchester United, the team that Andy loves with all of his heart? So he should know all of this kind of inside and out and upside and down. I'm expecting kind of extra bonus information from him now. Oh, no, that, don't um, apply extra pressure. No pressure, Andy. I just expect you to get 11 out of 10. <laughs> okay, here we go. So who scored more goals from Manchester United? Paul's goals or Rude Van Nistelrooy? Paul's goals. Correct. He got 155 to Rude's 150. So that's one out of one. Next, Andy one Cole. One out of one, I'm on fire. <laughs> Andy Cole or Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Andy Cole. Eh. Incorrect Amundo. Incorrect Amundo. Ali scored 126 and Cole scored a paltry 121. What were you doing, Andy? Oh, uh, miles away. <laughs> okay, so... We've got half the questions right so far after two rounds, Andy. Next one. So, Sir Dr. Marcus Rashford or David Beckham? Sir Dr. Marcus Rashford. Correct. Sir Dr. Marcus Rashford, saviour of the children, has 92. And David Beckham, just 85. Too busy crossing it, I guess. Um, next one. Anthony Martial or Javier Chicharito Hernandez, who was a, a firm favourite of Andy's. Yeah, with those numbers, I'd say Martial has scored deceptively more than you might think he has. Yeah, it's Anthony Martial. It is. He has 79 and Chicharito only yeah. has 59. Chicharito had one particularly prolific season, but the rest of them were all sort of bits and pieces. So. And Martial famously had... No, never mind. Okay, <laughs> next one. Dimitar Berbatov or Juan Mata? Ooh. It's Dimitar Berbatov. Only just... Only Bob just 56, Mata 51. Get out of here. Yeah, man. Um, so he's been there 400 years. He's going to get a few. Uh, it so, also feels like he's only scored about five goals. <laughs> I, know, I know. So they're going to start to get a little bit trickier from here on in, I think. Um, okay. Ander Herrera or Ashley Young? Uh, Ashley Young. No, incorrect. Herrera had 20 and Young 19. 20 goals for Herrera. Oh, oh that's close. Harsh. So harsh. Chris Smalling or Scott McTominay? I would say it is Chris Smalling. Yes, but only just again. 18 to McTominay, 16. Nicky Butt or Antonio Valencia? Nicky Butt. Yes, this is good. Um, I think we've only got two wrong so far. Uh, Butt, 26. Valencia, 25. So that was ever so close. Well, that was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, some of these are really surprising when I was looking them up too, actually. So here's one. This actually the next two I, I quite enjoy. <laughs> Memphis <laughs> Depay, Memphis Depay or Shinji Kagawa. Okay, Memphis Depay or Shinji Kagawa. I'm gonna say Shinji Kagawa scored more. Um, <laughs> Depay got seven and Kagawa just got the six. He oh. just got the six. Three of those in one game, famously. One, one game against Norwich, wasn't it, Tim? There you go. I knew you'd have bonus information. See, um, <laughs> and the final one. So this is to. Is this to like go on? No, no, no. You could. This is only a possible score of seven now, isn't it? Is this to match yep. last week's effort. So, Andre Kincelskis or Jesse Lingard? Oh, this That's is going to be. This is the battle of the four Danes. It should. Oh, it should be Andre Kincelskis. He should be the one who scored more. But it's. I, I'm not. He's the first name I ever got on the back of a jersey when I was a kid. So I'm going to go Andre Kincelskis. Close, but you're way off. Oh, Kincheskis got just a surprisingly low 34 goals for Man United during his career, which yeah. is topped by Lingard by just the one. 
ahead of his uh, imminent move to Newcastle, it looks like. News breaking this evening. Breaking news. So there you go. I think he got six out of ten, which is quite respectable. But the last few of those now were really a stab in the dark. Yeah, they were really tight. Yeah, Yeah, there's there's only one there I think I'm kicking myself over, and that's the Solskjaer and Andy Cole one. I probably should have got that. But the rest of them, they're They're very close. They're very close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, great quiz, Simon. Thank you. Thank you very much, Andy. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Six out of ten is a solid, solid, solid score for a solid, solid gentleman. Um, (laughs) That's the end of the halfway point. We'll be back in part three with section three and all the biggest prices of the day. Welcome back, listeners. Andy is the first entry in section three, so give it to us. Okay, so this is going to be the big bet of the week. Week, 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 big bet of the week. So this is a tough sell. This This one is a tough sell. We talked about earlier on, Liverpool are up to second. They're still a massive 11 points behind Man City, albeit with that game in hand. But still, if Liverpool are to have any chance of challenging, let alone winning the title... They're going to have to be almost perfect between here and the end of the season. So the time for dropping points is probably past. Liverpool do have a League Cup semi-final second leg still to play tonight against Arsenal. So I'm going to try and factor in tiredness and fatigue into my thoughts here because Liverpool are still, even with the absences they have, are still a super strong side. But this is the big bet. It's an outside bet chance, really. So I'm going against the grain here. Um, I feel like Crystal Palace are a bogey side for Liverpool I, I feel that that's true, but it's not. I've been looking, at, I've, been, I've been kind of investigating it in today, in, around today, but around the time of that famous tree tree near the climax of the 2014 season, they did go on a little bit of a run against Liverpool where they won three of their next four league meetings, including a win in Steven Gerrard's last game at Anfield. So maybe it was more of a case that they had a habit of spoiling big occasions for Liverpool more than being a bogey side, because that goes all the way back to 2015. Since then, they've only won one of their last 13 outings against the men from Merseyside. Grimly, from Palace's point of view, their last five league meetings have an aggregate score of 18-1 to Liverpool. <laughs> so I wanted to pitch this as a tough away game, a bit of a bogey side, Salah and Mana at the African Cup of Nations. And I'm thinking that an upset is on the cards. It's time for Palace to stem the flow of bad results against Liverpool. They haven't won, like I said, going back to 2015. But I just have a feeling that with the, the League Cup game on tonight, Salah Mane away, I have a feeling that this there's a chance for Palace to scrape an upset win here, which you can get at 5-1 to one or 6.0. And if you want to be a little bit more adventurous, because Liverpool are so dangerous, uh, a Palace win with both teams to score is 9-1 to one or 10.0. And I just feel for the big bet section with, you know, the couple of ingredients that are there, I just feel that there's that's 9-1 to one is... Um, not to be sniffed at. No, it's a, it's a big price for the the circumstances that are here. I th- I've kind of stumbled upon a few conversations between um, Liverpool fans on Twitter. Sometimes you kind of happen on conversations on there, and they were discussing the game against Palace as a real potentially tricky tie and a potential yeah. banana skin. So they're not as confident as they usually are, let's say. And they've every reason not to be. I mean, Palace have made really decent strides under Patrick Vieira. Most of their good yeah. results this season have come, but. Sellers part yeah. two, so yeah. Absolutely. Palace have been very impressive this season, especially at home. I know that Zaha, Ayu and Kwayade are all on international duty in the African Cup of Nations, the same as Salah and Mane as well. So like, you know, it is a little bit harder, but I just do feel that the ingredients are there in order for an upset to happen. It is an upset. That's why it's nine to one. I'm not, Nick, it's not a nailed on. It's not the safe bet. It's a nine to one for a reason, but I do think the ingredients are there. So maybe the uh, the title race might be finished come Sunday afternoon. 
You heard it here first. Right here first. Um, they're all, Andy said all the ingredients are there for an upset stomach. And I think he's right. I think he's right. <laughs> um, so, okay. Uh, I'm gone for kind of a twist on the my final tip of the week. So I've gone for a double. And the double is Aston Villa to win and both teams to score at Everton, coupled with Wolves' double chance at Brentford, which comes in at a whopping 5.81. And I'll tell you why, if you let me. Aston Villa impressed greatly in their comeback draw with Man United um, in their last game. They had, well, I suppose if the game had run on for another 10 minutes, they'd have probably won. It was clear already that Coutinho and Digne are going to add an awful lot to this team. Um, Coutinho with his little link play in the pockets, Digne with his thrusting runs down the left-hand side. He's a bit of an assist king, isn't he, for Everton, or he was, I should say. He actually returns to his old stomping ground on Saturday, of course, when the villains go to Goodison Park, where I don't expect much of a bounce following Rafa Benitez's departure. I can't imagine caretaker boss Duncan Ferguson's team talk being anything other than, come on to F-word, lads, <laughs> get, get stuck into him, and, and so forth. Everton have only won once in 13 games, and their defence, for want of a, a more gentle word, is wretched. They've had three clean sheets in 19 games all season long, and Villa blitzed them 3-0 in September and actually won 2-1 on their last visit to the blue half of Merseyside back in May. With Calvert-Lewin inching towards full fitness and Richardson back in the fold, I do see Everton getting in on the act against Villa team that has kept just two clean sheets in nine league games under Gerrard, however. So Villa to win and both teams to score is the first part of my double, what would you call it, a double, double parter. There you go. Yeah, nicely coined. Um, (laughs) (laughs) smooth Um, next I am backing Wolves double chance at Brentford so the Bees showed plenty of sting in the first half against Man United on Wednesday I'm very very sorry but football matches are actually two halves long and they quite visibly burned through their energy in the opening 45 minutes Thomas Frank caught a very emotional dare I say petulant figure after the game claiming his team destroyed United in the first half but let's be frank, Thomas. It's pretty rare to see a defeat react to so childishly. You're nearly 50, dude. <laughs> you know, um, He highlighted his team's intensity, which, which, to be fair, was there initially. But they were out of ammo halfway through the football match. So, I mean, what's the point? Anyway, if energy is your bag, then Wolves should have more of it, having not played in midweek. Um, they're one of the show's favourite teams, of course, and they're on a bit of a roll with four wins and five in all competitions, conceding just once along the way. They've taken points off Chelsea, Man United, and another show favourite, Brighton, during that run too. And two of those games were, at least, were tricky tasks. <laughs> Brentford have lost five of their last six. And they could struggle to break down a resolute Wolves um, at the Brentford Community Stadium. Is that what it's called? Yeah. They really need to change that name. Um, <laughs> some of the names of stadiums have become very unimaginative in recent years, haven't they? Yeah, I think so. But if you check out some of the uh, stadium names down in League Two, there's some absolutely cracking names, uh, kind of low-key sponsorships. I think uh, I can't remember who it is exactly, but it might be Hartlepool. That is the Suit Direct Stadium, I think, at the moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So anyway, look, I'm siding with Wolves double chance for those reasons. And if you combine that with my first tip from the Everton Villa game. As I said earlier, it's 5.81, which could really fill your pockets. Really fill them right up there to the brim. That's how you're going to make your money. That's how you're going to make your money. So, yeah, that's the last tip of the week. Have you any closing thoughts, Andy? Or have you been chewing on that jar of brain worms? 
I've been chewing on this jar of brainworms over here, Simon. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I have Wolves. Wolves are one of the favourites on, on this pod. I struggle to see Brentford breaking them down. Every team that plays Wolves struggles to break them down. Um, whether it's Man City, Liverpool, like they're all games that are decided by a one nil or something like that. Chelsea couldn't break them down. Man United couldn't break them down. Like I can't see, I can't see Brentford breaking them down enough to win the game anyway. So, yeah, I, I think um, we're a wolf, we're a wolves, we're a pro wolves podcast. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Keep on wolving. Oh, so look, um, that's pretty much it. Let's wrap up. Thanks to all of you, uh, for as always, for tuning in. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you do like the show, please follow us on Spotify. Maybe even share with your friends and all the other places that you listen to podcasts. There are many. We're on all of them. Um, the more followers and listeners we get, the likelier it is that we can keep producing these wonderful, wonderful shows. So make sure and check out Odds Profit on Facebook and on their official website for their latest expert tips. But most importantly of all, and I mean it, gamble responsibly. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you next week. Thank you.